In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it's our second episode of the day. And we, we've been pumping out a lot of content lately, but this is our second episode of the day. We teased it in the last episode, but this is the Ron Holland episode. Ron Holland is the projected number one pick by several publications. Came into this season with a lot of hype and fanfare. Got off to a rough start but has turned a corner in his last three games. So James and I are going to share our thoughts on Ron Holland. We're going to talk about what we like about his game. We're going to talk about the best draft fits for him, his draft range, and then we're going to talk about our concerns in the last segment. So stay tuned to hear this episode, which is strictly all about Ron Holland. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director scouting for NBA Big Board. To my left, to my right on camera is my brother, James Barlow. Thank you again for making this your first listen of the day. I don't care if it's your second or your third. I appreciate each and every listen. Also, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please subscribe, share, like, comment that is the best way to help us grow this channel all right in the last episode we did a weekend recap and we mentioned ron holland off to a slow start in a sense not not, not necessarily like crazy slow but just inefficiency was plaguing him in his first i want to say five games but then the last three games he's really turned it up so we're going to share our thoughts on ron holland first yeah Coming into the season, mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on Ron Holland, and what did you want to see from him? Um, I remember when we first started, I mentioned that. <laughs> Man, sorry. I told you he was a better prospect than Justin Edwards. You didn't agree with me. I think you're in agreement with me right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Ron, I had him too, I guess you could say, early on. Um I feel like he's dropped, but I'm pretty confident into uh, what I see in him, what I'm seeing from him. But um, I like I said, I think he's a top five, six pick. It's going to depend on you know how much a team loves him. So you're saying that he's dropped. Has the last three games where he's averaged 29 points, has that helped get him back up some? Or, or like what's... Like, are you more so weighing the first five games over the last three? It's not even a production thing. I mean, the production is great. Don't get me wrong. But it's more so, it's just, it's more of him doing the same thing that he always does. So, let me tell you, like, I want to see, like, playmaking and improved, like, three-point shooting from him. And you're not getting the playmaking from him. You're getting a more efficient version of who he is, which is downhill driver, offensive motor out of this world, elite first step, um, somebody trying to create a shot for himself every trip down the court. So it's like, it's not a negative, but I'm just, he's just like reiterating my thoughts and ideas of him. Now, again, it's great to see him being more uh, efficient and the productivity going up. Like those things are great, but, I see the same person, same player that I've seen 
since like evaluating him as a prospect. All right, so for the season through nine games, he's averaging 17.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, 2.2 assists, a little under a block per game, 1.9 steals, 4.1 turnovers. He's shooting 47.8% from the floor, 20% from three, and 57% from the foul line. I will add about the free throws. I do not like this one counts as two. Because if you miss one free throw, it, like, counts as missing two. Yeah, but if you make a free throw, it boosts your points. But it's like if you go, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can look at it from that end. But I think the free throw numbers may be a little skewed in a That's sense. That's fair. But, I mean, it's it's not like it's, I don't know. I mean, 57% from the foul line, even though that has come up. Because at one point, maybe about a week ago, it was like 40%. Mm-hmm. But I want to give you his numbers from his last three games. Go ahead. 29 points per game, 7 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 3 steals, 1.3 blocks, 57% from the floor, and 37% from three. The 37% from three is... Kind of misleading in a sense because he went three for four one game, zero for zero the next game, and then he went 0 for four. So those numbers are a little bit misleading. But from the foul line, he was two for three, five for five, and two for three. So he's played well the last three games. I watched the film. It's like you said, it's the same stuff in a sense. It's aggressive. Hard right drives to the rim. Even though the game against South Bay Lakers where he hit three or four from three, that was a game where you're like, okay, he's letting it fly confidently, has some off the dribble. The shot looked good. Mm -hmm. That's like the Ron Holland where you're like, if he can do that consistently, then I don't see why he wouldn't be or the top pick. But, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to go three for four from three, or I don't expect that to be consistent in a sense because prior to that he only made two threes in the first, like, six games. But if the shot trans, if the shot translates, like if he gets better and becomes a better shooter throughout the season, do you think that could make him the number one pick? Let's say if he gets to about 35% from three. In my eyes, him shooting 35% from three would not make him the number one pick. Just because, I mean, it it helps that he's making catch-and-shoot shots. But ultimately, like, his feel for the game is just not where I would want it to be, personally. Again, on my mock, I got him maybe five right now. Okay. And the five is not bad. Mm-hmm. It's the allure of being the number one pick. I'm not caught up with that. I just want to see him like long term develop some more skills. So but him shooting 35 percent through would be awesome. But ultimately, like he's a volume scorer through and through. Even in these games, like the is for as many drives per game he has, he's getting to the foul line once, twice. So it's like. It's 2.9. 2.9 and how many field goal attempts? 15 field goal attempts per game? Yeah. Like, that's, like, the definition of a volume score right there. So, it's like, when he goes, I don't know, 4 for 14, he scores what? 8 points? 9 points? It's like... I, I, would, I would give him 10. 10. Okay. So, you <laughs> scored 10 points on 14 shots, and you're not creating plays for anybody else? Like, those are my concerns with Ron. Like, the pro- productivity is great. It's just not efficient and it's how he's getting it 
that kind of like makes me a little cooler on him. But I mean, I still like him as a player. Yep. So we'll we'll save the concerns for for the last segment. What are your thoughts on him being 18 years old and how that is related to his field? Because I actually had a scout tell me he's a smaller Jonathan Kaminga. And his exact words were he's smaller Jonathan Kaminga. If Jonathan Kaminga is your best player or your first or second best player on a team, you are going to struggle because their feel isn't there. What are your thoughts on that? I get what he's saying, and like I said, I agree, and that's why I don't have him number one. I don't think his feel for the game is particularly great, and in this setting, they're just telling him to go hoop, right? So he's just going to keep doing what he's always been doing, which is let me get to my right hand. Let me get to my right hand. I'm going to out-athlete everybody. And, again, I'm not arguing with the production. He's a great finisher. In the paint, I want to say he's at like sixty something percent in on uh at the rim. Like that's great. And even at eighteen, like the physicality doesn't bother him. He's playing with grown men. Like those are pluses. But I just want to see a better feel for the game. And I get the Jonathan Kaminga comparison. I have a little bit better. I guess it would be more positive for the pro Ron Holland crowd out there. But I I get what that scout says. Yeah, I've heard some wild. Wild comparisons for Ron. I mean, they're all over the board, and it's almost to the point where I'm starting to think that Ron Holland is an acquired taste. That's fair for GMs. I think like the the draft pundits or the draft media really like him, but when you talk to the scouts, their comparisons. I mean, all over the place. You from I mean, I've heard. <laughs> Some of them are, are. <laughs> I've heard Jerome Junkyard Dog <laughs> Williams with more upside. <laughs> that was probably the, the funniest funny. one. The funniest one. But I've heard Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams with upside. I've heard maybe he can be a Sean Marion type. That's, that's cool. I've heard one scout was just. He said that, and this is bad, he he said he could be MKG, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I've heard another, I mean, I've just heard some pretty, pretty interesting, I mean, a wide range of things. But the most consistent thing is that everyone says, hey, we love the athleticism, we love the energy, the competitive fire. It's just a matter of can we add on to that and then what will his role be? All right, when we return, I'm going to have James go over his scouting report on Ron Holland. I'm going to share my scouting report. We're going to talk about, I mean, we know his draft range, but we're going to talk about fits and how that could play a role in his success. And then we're going to talk about our concerns. I know we come to sports to escape the realities of real life. It's just something that a lot of people do. And we are living in a crazy time. So I just wanted to talk to you for a minute about preparing for real life. Now, according to the FDA, according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of a flu season that is expected to be one of the worst in a decade. 
And I can't imagine feeling helpless or if my wife or my son got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from some medication that they needed. And thankfully we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others, which could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physical encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. So it's never more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use the code locked on and you can get $20 off your order. That is Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical. Com. Locked On has launched, this is so cool to me, the first national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, covering the top sports stories with our local experts and our national shows that will be covering every league. So check it out. We are on the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel. So go to Locked On Sports Today. It is on YouTube. And subscribe. Please subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, second segment. First segment, we talked a little bit about what scouts think about Ron Holland and, and James's opinion. Let's talk about your scouting notes. Like, just read your notes okay. on Ron Holland. All right, obviously, athlete, motor, uh, great in transition. Um, I have his handles are a work in progress. I think he's more straight line. I've seen some creativity, but... Ultimately, it's a straight line drive. Yeah. All right, I say, how does he score when he can't just jam R2 for the 2K players? All right. (laughs) For the people that don't know what R2 is, what is the R2 That's button? That's the turbo button. That's the turbo <laughs> button. Without the turbo you gotta, button. You got to remember, you're not just talking to fault, me, man. My fault, man. My fault. My fault. My uh, fault. I have a relentless driver with a negative assist to turnover ratio. But I do have him at 64% at the rim. Um, I think he's a great finisher with his left hand, but he doesn't want to go left in a sense. He can go left to counter, but ultimately he's trying to go right. Right, and, right by you. Yes, right, right by you. And he does get there a lot. And I do have in my notes that he turns down a lot of open catch and shoot three pointers. Yep. So my notes, I have, and based off his high school resume, winner. Like he really, really impacted winning on the prep level. But he's an impressive athlete, quick first step, excellent slasher, great, great motor and energy, is a multiple effort guy. So I think any coach would love to have a multiple effort guy on his team. I put he's a really good transition finisher. I put he's an improving shooter, but it's it's he still has a ways to go. I think he has gotten better over the last few years. But mm-hmm. that's because when he was younger, he didn't have to shoot a single jump shot right. to impact or dominate a game. I put he's a good scorer off the dribble, but mostly like attacking the rim and slashing, not like, you know, he's not Wooga Poplar. Like he's mm. not a creative scorer off the dribble. I put he's very good at scoring on the move, aggressive downhill slasher. I love the fact that he has a soft touch around the rim. 
He can impact the games with his energy. I put that he has some defensive versatility. And one of the things that has surprised me is on the prep level, I thought he was a good ball mover. Like there were times where he made like touch passes. I thought there were times where he passed the ball ahead in transition. I didn't think he was a selfish player by any means, but I thought that he was a better passer than he's shown so far. And right now I'm like, is he not a good passer or is he struggling making decisions? And I think there's a difference between the two. And so sometimes like the turnovers aren't all like live ball passing turnovers. It could be a charge or it could be driving into traffic because he's such an aggressive driver that I think that leads to, you know, the turnovers. I put he's a rebound and run threat. But my concerns were he plays out of control. I don't know what his position is, his shooting consistency, and he is turnover prone. And then on the defensive end, this is something that a scout pointed out to me that it made total sense. The scout says, in high school, Ron didn't have to play disciplined defense. He could defend one through five on a high school level. Right. The team's five, he could guard the five, four, three. I remember him guarding Imani Bates when he was either a freshman or a sophomore. He was long and athletic enough to just make a small point guard's life hell. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, in the G League, he's trying to play that same way, and he's getting cooked from backdoor cuts because he's so aggressive as a defender. He's trying to defend all over the place, and he felt like that is really hurting him on the defensive end. What team do you think would be a good fit? And then I'm going to flip that around. What team do you think would be an absolutely horrible Wait fit? for this question. I got you, Rob. Best fit. Hear me out. The Memphis Grizzlies. You play him at the three. You limit his role, right? You got mm -hmm. Ja at the one, Bane at the two, okay. Ron at the three, uh, Triple J at the four, Steven Adams, and what's left of his knees at the five. Okay. All right, we know Ron's going to rebound. Now to help out Triple J being a hacking machine that doesn't really rebound, right? But he's a defensive player of the year. You, you can add that. He should have. It should have been Anthony Davis. However, so Ron. Anthony got to play more. He, he's just Triple J playing three more games than him. Yo, he got robbed. Anyway, Ron at the three in Memphis, you don't you're not asking for uh a lot of development from him. Like he can get by being who he is. Now again, the three ball would have to improve because Yeah, I was about to say know, floor space. Yes, floor space. Bang would be the only real, real perimeter. Right. Where's Luke Kennard at? Hurt for the Grizzlies. The Clippers need Luke Kennard back. <laughs> That's true. But I feel like Memphis would be good for him. You want my comparison now or you want to wait? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that comparison. All right, and I'll I tell you, you why Memphis this. works. And All then, right. on, the, on the contrary, he needs to stay away from the Wizards. I think he needs to stay away from San Antonio. <laughs> why? I mean, it's like so much redundancy at that whatever position he plays. I think he's Sohan a three. to... Keldon yeah, Johnson just, to sell. I, I, I don't think San Antonio would, would value him and his skill set. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, let's say San Antonio finishes, I don't know, number three, right? And let's say 
Sargos one and let's say the Wizards are two or, or the Bulls and they take Kyrie. I'm just throwing it out. And San Antonio has a third pick. I mean, who do they go with at number three? Do they go with like Toppage? Toppage. Or, or? I'm going with Toppage. I, 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 no, no disrespect to Ron. I just don't like him in San Antonio. I don't either. I think it would be a, an absolute but ugly I don't, fit. I don't like Ron in, in Washington either because I don't feel like – I'm not hating on the player development. I just don't feel like it's a new staff, though. It's 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 a, it's a whole new front I'm, office. I'm not hating staff. on the front office. I just don't think how he plays uh, is gonna be good for a bad team or a team that's young and trying to a rebuilding team. I think him in a rebuilding situation won't be best for him. If that makes sense. So, how do you feel about him with the ignite? Because the ignite are, I mean, it's. Almost the same it exact is. situation so again, he would be so in what if he goes see, to a bad team. So what do you see him doing at the, with the Ignite? It's just, it's not, and I'm not blaming him, but it's not winning basketball, right? You're asking him to be your best player with a without without a defined skill set. So your best player, his best attribute is his off the muscle scoring. Do you think playing hard <laughs> is a skill? I, I'm to Absolutely. the point now. I think playing hard is a skill, and I think right now. That is his best skill set, and I think one of the reasons why some people may be high on him is because they may say, all right, he has the athleticism. He has, I mean, a great motor, which is something that you can't teach. If we can just develop everything else, we might really have something there. I mean, I get that, but to me, like, feel for the game, ball handling, pace, aren't things you just pick up at 18, 19. Yeah. Like, it's hard to do. Like, those guys who handle the ball, who have great pace, great feel for the game, they've been handling the ball since they were little kids. Yeah. So it's like, I, I get, you know, a lot of people think that the player development program, you just sprinkle some sauce on the dude and he becomes this great player. But it's, a lot of it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's up to the player, too. And it, it's very much so up to the player. So, again, like in the situation with the Ignite, they're using Ron to his strengths. And I just don't know if his strengths are what you want, like you had mentioned before, or, or Scout had said, from your first or your second best player. Before we go into the last segment, I mean, they have to use him to their strengths. To his strength. Number one, because he is the face of their program, their Ignite. I mean, I've had scouts say that they feel like because he was the marquee name on the Ignite, because he is projected so high, he thinks that it's put too much pressure on him to where he's... They don't think it's good, I should say. They don't think that the development for him is good because there's so much pressure on him to live up to the expectations when he's really transitioning from being a four in high school to trying to play the wing and the fact that he's only 18 years old. So he, the scout yeah. says he wishes that they kind of tone things down on him because he's young he's a work in progress and because he may get drafted high the expectations are going to be so high as a rookie to where if he gets off to a slow start then it's going to lead to a bunch of criticism that's why i like him in memphis though that makes sense all right when we return 
we're going to get James's player comparison, and then we're going to talk about our concerns with Ron Holland. I know we've mentioned a couple, but we're going to talk about if he doesn't live up to the hype, what could be the reasons and some potential red flags. Stay tuned. As the weather gets colder, because it is definitely getting colder, the NFL deals are hot on FanDuel. And right now, if you are a new customer, if you are a new customer, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's not a better time to do it than right now. Not now, but right now. And the app is so easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads player props overs unders and more so visit fanduel.com locked on and kick off the nfl season fanduel the official partner of the nfl and locked on all right last segment let's just get it out let's just get yeah. it out there i know you've okay. been sitting on this comparison i'm gonna give you some time to explain it all right who is your James Barlow? That's James me. Barlow, who is your player comparison for Ron Holland and why? So many people have player comparisons, but they can't explain why. I want to hear who is your comparison and why. All right, so I want to say his best case scenario. Okay. All right. If you look at Ron Holland and close your eyes and say, all right, he's right handed, straight line driver. Relentless motor, no real wiggle, but undeniable in the stat sheet. So no real side to side create offensive creativity, shake and bake, yeah. imagination off yes. the bounce. And then you sit here and say he's not a good passer. You're looking at a right-handed, best case scenario, right-handed R.J. Barrett minus the playmaking ability. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Because again, when I, I remember talking to you, Roth, yo, RJ don't have no wiggle. It's straight line, straight line. And what game was that? Uh, was that Michigan State they lost to? He just he had nothing off the dribble unless he was running through people. So, Ron Holland. With a little so a little I would say, based off of your analogy, a little quicker, not as strong. Okay. Yes, but you can those are you yep. can take that trade off. So here's the thing, though. But and now, I, hold on, real quick. RJ six six two fourteen. Those were his measurements according to Basketball Reference. Ron is not six eight like people listen at. So he's nope. probably about six six. And let's say when he, you know, three four years two fifteen. So the physical. I don't have the wingspans for RJ Barrett for the wingspan people out there. But I'm just talking about straight line drive, relentless, going to rebound. Let's take away the playmaking ability that R.J. Barrett has, and you might have Ron. And that's another reason why I like him in Memphis because R.J. Barrett, as the third best player on his team, is 19.6 uh, 19. rebounds, about two assists, and that's a playoff team right there. You'll take that. R.J. was what, number three in a top-heavy draft? Was he one? Or was he no, number he was two? Three. He was three behind Ja. Oh, yeah, the Zion and Zion Ja. And and a lot of people thought he was number one coming into that season. Somebody to my right. I did. I did. But <laughs> you know why? Because I saw him with my own eyes cook Team USA for like 39 right. in Egypt. And that was when everybody thought Cam Reddish 
was that dude, and I just saw. I I literally saw R.J. Barrett make Team USA. And that looking back at it, that Team USA team wasn't a great team. You had Cal Calipari was a coach. P.J. Washington was on the team. Um, Peyton Pritchard was on the team. There's some other guys that was on the team, but R.J. made those dudes so, so, fold. So can you can you also say some of Ron's? I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, hype comes from what he did with Team USA too, or that that international competition. Yeah, and just he won so much so at Duncanville. So he had, well, I mean, Duncanville. But, but Duncanville winning regardless. Powerhouse. Yeah, but so that, that's fair. That's fair. I, I feel like saying. if you get R.J. Barrett without the playmaking from Ron, I think you would take that. You'd gladly take that. Now, what it now R.J. was, correct me if I'm wrong. His first couple years were frustrating for Knicks fans. I mean, Knicks fans are always frustrated, but they were frustrating <laughs> they because... They don't even like Julius Randle. <laughs> man, exactly. But, like, because... Well, it was frustrating because he was drafted ahead of Zion and Ja, but, like... Behind them. Or, excuse me, yes, behind them. In that same draft. But now that you see RJ as a third option behind Brunson and Randle, like, you're cool with what he's giving you. So that's why I feel like if he if if uh, Ron lands in Memphis, like you absolutely take that. But if RJ went to Memphis and had to be that guy, and you saw him like, yo, he really can't dribble with his right hand, or like his jump shot is shaky, then you wouldn't be looking at him the way you may look at him now. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, so now you're asking me what's stopping him from fulfilling the RJ Barrett prophecy? I guess you could say so. We might as well make that the title of the last segment. What's stopping blank from filling the blank prophecy? Let's run with it. All right. So at Duke, R.J. Barrett, 33% on jump shots, 36.9% on dribble jumpers. Okay. So wasn't a great shooter, but. I feel like that year that Duke team had no shooting at all between him and R.J. Reddish. Yeah. Reddish. I mean, that lane was so... I mean, they were just give, daring them to shoot. Like, right. they couldn't get out in transition. But anyway. RJ, or excuse me, Ron Holland right now, 26% on jump shots, 26% dribble jumpers. So, if he's going to fulfill that RJ Barrett prophecy, along with the playmaking needing to improve, he's got to become a better shooter. And again, every kid in this draft has to become... A better shooter, mm-hmm. even the ones who can already shoot right now. So you know, if you think about it, I don't think there's a lot of shooters in this draft. Jacoby Walter, Buzelis, uh, I guys, I'm missing there somebody on top of my head. There, there you go. Tyrese Proctor, his numbers may be. I wouldn't call him like a shooter. Like I'm talking about a guy that you can just plug in and 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 knock down open shots. I don't. It's not a lot, and that's why I think that this 2024 class is going to spend a lot of time in the G League. All right. So my concerns for Ron are one: I don't think he's going to measure out at the six eight that he's listed. Is that a concern, or you just? I mean, like it's not a concern for me because I just know. Yeah. I don't. Well, really, I think yeah. it's 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 somewhat of a concern because. I mean, what if he's six, five and three quarters? Not that it matters. He's gonna play in shoes, so I think that could possibly hurt his draft stock. If mm-hmm. he, um, I think that we underestimated in a sense, even though he's been productive, the transition from being a four in high school to playing the wing against pros. But to me, I think the outside shooting is is going to be 
is going to determine his ceiling in a sense. If he can knock down shots. And again, the game against South Bay where he made shots off the dribble, the shot looked good. But if he can start consistently knocking down shots, I think that's going to help him with his turnovers because he is passing up open shots mm-hmm. to try to drive. And sometimes when he's driving, he's driving in traffic. It was somebody. He's not as bad as, was it? It was somebody I was watching. Maybe it was Cohen Carr who doesn't want to shoot. And he was catching it like when they were throwing the ball on the catch. He looked like a running back or a kick return. He was already on the move. Like Westbrook mm-hmm. does that now. When you pass it to Westbrook, he's catching it. He's already on the move, which means, well, you know that he's not trying to shoot, and that kind of messes up the flow of the offense. Was it's, it Collier that had a play like that? He did have a play on like the baseline. That. No, he had one on the wing where he caught it off the run. No. It was on the, no, and he no, drove scoot, left on the baseline. Scoot. It was Scoot I was watching. Scoot caught the ball on the wing, and he immediately ripped through, and he shot like a contested jumper like DeMar DeRozan with a dude all in his face. And I'm like, yo, take the catch and shoot three, bro. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's wrong with the Clippers in a sense right now. They got a lot of guys that are rhythm shooters, but very few guys that want to catch and shoot. But anyway, I think the shooting for Ron is is going to be the swing skill or the skill that determines his ceiling. I would like to see him get a little creativity off the dribble but more importantly i think pace is the key for ron like if he can mix up his pace because like i said the first step is 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 lightning it's lightning quick he can get to his spots but i think because teams are going to start scouting him and they know that you can speed him up i would like to see him kind of mix it up but it's rare to see someone that fast have pace because they can usually get where they want to go. So when you talk about the Grizzlies, I'm thinking Ron and Ja, like on one hand, that's going to put a lot of pressure around. I mean, they're going to be beating each other down court (laughs) transition. (laughs) But I wonder like how many teams would like give them hard closeouts and just make them finish in traffic at the rim. And I think that's one of, I mean, Ja Morant on the court is great. But I think one of the reasons why he gets so nicked up all the time is because he's he's kind of slim and Dude teams are just trying to like I mean they want him to go to the rim and finish in traffic but he's like trying to dunk everything but that's yeah. a whole different subject that, that, but I mean that could be a very interesting fit but I just wonder like spacing the floor and in the playoffs how would well I mean the playoff there so they're a playoff team right yep. when when everybody's healthy so it's like I don't owe you a rookie minutes in the playoffs. We just start Marcus Smart. You know what I'm saying? So it's like in the short term, regular. Well, they're season, a playoff team if John or in, next season, not yeah, this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. This so, season. So I mean. next season they're a playoff team, right? Obviously, because you know if they're healthy, they're a playoff team. So you can get away with bringing Smart off the bench, but come playoff time, uh, absolutely Smart is closing over Ron Holland if he's drafted to Memphis. Well, that wraps up this episode on Ron Holland. Once again, thank you, the listener, for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. Share your thoughts on Ron Holland. Who do you think his player comparison is? What team would you like to see him go to? What are your overall thoughts on Ron Holland? Be sure to hit us up on YouTube, or you can follow us on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see our Twitter handles here. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow with my brother James. This is the Ron Holland episode, and we are out.